I think it was Mike Tyson who said that uh, everybody's got a strategy for a boxing match before they get punched them in the nose. It's a noisy, cluttered, uncertain marketplace and we want to make sure that our voice is communicated clearly and in the most helpful way. Hello and welcome to the Noble Marketing Ideacast. I'm Becky Holland. So here we are in 2021. We arrived. All thoughts that COVID-19 would fade into memory with the coming of the new year were quickly squashed with the news of a new national lockdown. So here we all are at home. It's pretty cold and damp out there, but we're still working like crazy to make 2021 a year of success. Lighting fires, building marketing plans and reinventing business strategies once again. I'm forever curious to find out what makes CMOs tick. For this episode of the Ideacast, at the tail end of 2020, I had the pleasure of talking to two inspirational marketing leaders about the brands in their care. I wanted to talk to them a little more and find out about how marketing leaders know it's the right time for a rebrand and why they decided to do this in 2020 of all years. My first guest, Rebecca Simon, is Marketing and Brand Strategy Director at the British Business Bank, an organisation that's had a huge part to play in supporting businesses through the pandemic. Rebecca's been with the bank almost from day one, and the organisation today is very different from the way it was when I first met Rebecca back in 2016. I wanted to start by framing the conversation with a little context around the bank. What was the backstory? So we were founded six years ago uh, with a mission to make finance markets work better for UK smaller businesses so that they can prosper and grow. We are backed by government, but we are um, operationally independent. Um, And how that manifests itself in terms of what we do is that we're a center of expertise on small business finance. And we identify areas where the finance market might not be working as well as they could for small businesses, uh, maybe in, in supply, but also in terms of demand for finance. And where we identify that failing or that market gap, uh, we create an intervention through the market, working with other lenders, uh, working with other intermediaries, people around uh, the financial services industry for small businesses in order to fill that gap or to catalyze that area of the market or to stimulate something that needs to be stimulated. So that was kind of what we are set up to do and what we're set up to deliver. And over the last few months, the journey of what that looks like and how it's manifested itself has been uh, very, very um, fast changing. And we'll come on to talk about that, I think, in a little bit. Pause for a moment here. So why is it that an organisation that on the face of it is so vital to the UK economy, now more than ever, is something that many businesses haven't even heard of? or certainly hadn't done before the government's recovery loans, the Sibyls, the Bibbles, the CL Bills and the Future Fund were released to help businesses affected by the pandemic. I already knew that the bank had long positioned itself as providing a service to finance companies rather than directly to the business owners, but even so, as such an important enabler in finance markets, I was curious to hear Rebecca's views on the bank's communication plans and specifically how these had changed. 
when you're trying to find small areas of of, of market failings uh, in a very, by the way, sophisticated financial market landscape, you know, like we are the, you know, the UK has got this huge financial center. SMEs have um, a huge access. And by SMEs, I mean small, medium-sized enterprises. Small businesses have huge access to different options. So we were operating in a fairly niche area uh, whereby we were targeting quite specific group of small businesses that might be based on their business maturity, might be based on their growth projections, might be based on their need for a certain sort of um, equity funding like venture capital or something like that. And we were creating an intervention or we were putting an offering out to that market within that fairly niche area. From a demand perspective, um, as because well, we do both demand and also supply, we were really looking to stimulate the market amongst um, fast growing businesses that would really benefit from external finance in order to be able to continue on their business growth and to be able to continue to scale and therefore subsequently make this huge contribution to UK PLC, which was, is all what we're about delivering. And then COVID hit. And consequently, the role that the British Business Bank have played in supporting those small businesses has dramatically shifted. And it shifted from being a fairly niche player to them being a uh, facilitating um, support for small businesses that is vast, that is wide ranging, and is actually, to all intents and purposes, mass market. And this is very much evidenced uh, by if you look at us as an organisation, we were a billion a business with nearly eight billion under management, supporting around ninety thousand SMEs, and then by supporting the government through the delivery of the coronavirus business interruption loan schemes, um, we are now supporting lending to the tune of fifty seven billion, supporting one point three million small businesses. That's nearly a quarter of all small businesses who have been directly impacted and then have taken out a facility alone that we have supported. We don't lend directly. We lend through the market. So it's through the banks, through the alternative lenders, uh, a wide variety of over 180 delivery partners. Uh, but that's the, the kind of the impact that the pandemic has had and therefore the impact on us as an organization and our visibility, our relevance to such a large, such large audience of SMEs. Okay, so that's a pretty big shift. And that in itself presents challenges. Do you focus on meeting the immediate needs of businesses and leave the expensive and time-consuming job of reviewing your brand for another day? Or do you embrace the prescience of the problem? What better time to refocus on business owners than when they need you most? We'll come back to Rebecca in a moment to find out how the bank tackled this sticky question. But before we do, I'd like to introduce my second guest, Douglas Quigg, Head of Marketing at iDocs Software. Douglas has had a varied career, for many years agency side running global accounts of brands like Airbus and Orange, and more latterly client side, looking after technology and healthcare brands, including AOL, KUK, Nuffield Health and Serco. Douglas, it's my very great pleasure to have you on the show. Hello. So, iDux is a multi-million turnover technology business, and yet you're far from a household name. Mm. Does Rebecca's story resonate with you? And how do you tackle a rebrand for a brand that's known only in selected circles? Yes, you're right, Becky. We are not particularly well-known. I wouldn't expect many people um, in from a consumer standpoint really to have heard of iDux. Uh, but... If you happen to be the IT director or the planning director in a local authority, 
in anywhere in the UK. If you happen to be a property director in a major company in the UK um, or a document controller for an international energy company, then you're more likely to have heard of iDocs. The catalyst for us rethinking our brand, um, really, you know, it wasn't COVID-19. Um, and a seismic change like British Business Bank has had to face <laughs> to really upscale very, very quickly. The catalyst for us is that we had a strategic review. We had a, we had a new management team. Uh, we had a complete transformational plan for our business to drive greater performance. And part of that was thinking of how we connected with our customers and uh, how we differentiated ourselves. And did you change your path based on what was going on in 2020 with COVID-19? Or had you already set out a journey and continue with that? Well, we never planned for COVID-19, that's for sure. Uh, That was really unexpected. And I think something that's unprecedented in all our lifetimes, really. Um, But the answer really is, no, we didn't change our um, path. We did consider it. There have been um, some additions, but the overall plan has remained the same. We uh, we had talked extensively to our customers, we'd reassessed our brand, um, started to define our proposition much better and our whole go-to-market strategy. And regardless of the pandemic or not, we would have carried on the same way. Uh, what we have changed, um, I think, is um, really, I think COVID-19 has sharpened the senses. And uh, we really thought about how we engage with our customers much more. Um, so we've used this as actually as an opportunity to connect with them in more detail. We've run web, uh, webinars, uh, virtual events. Uh, we've briefed our account management and sales uh, people to keep in touch with what our customers' needs are. And we've responded to them really quickly. So I suppose that's one thing that's changed. So what were the learnings from that? What did you do? What we learned from that was there was even a greater demand for our, for our customers for us to help them solve problems. Um, they wanted to know how we could help them work at home better, unite teams better, um, bring better data to bear on their planning and systems like transport, for example, or how we could help the NHS improve efficiency. Um, and that's something we did without charge. Um, so suddenly they were saying, we really need some help, iDocs. So we'd actually decided to become more consultative, to be more on the front foot and proactive as a brand. And at the same time, our customers were saying, you know what, you need to move even faster. So Rebecca, just, just turning to you now, I guess in the British business banks had a really vital part to play in, in supporting British businesses through 2020, through, through, through COVID-19. Some people might say you'd be absolutely nuts to refresh your brand now when there's so much else going on. But um, with, in light of everything that's happening in the country right now, why, why did you choose 2020 as the year to refresh your brand? And again, did you change your path because of what's happened with COVID-19 or did you, did you have a plan and stick to it? It wasn't as a result of COVID-19 that we updated our brand. So prior to the pandemic hitting, we were already uh, a scaling organization, a growing bank. And so it was already around a year ago, um, a time where we started to think about 
uh, launching ourselves more prominently into the market and thinking about what is our brand proposition, what's our brand identity and our visual identity so that we could be seen as this organization with a very clear message to the market, to the segment in the market that we were looking to serve so that small businesses could start to understand what we did, how they can navigate us, what kind of support or guidance function or information service we, we could offer them. And then we entered a national lockdown in March as a result of the pandemic and the bank took on this hugely heightened role and relevance and prominence in delivering the government's economic response to small businesses who have been hit by um, the pandemic. And with the loan schemes that we were operating um, and that we were supporting the delivery of, um, we had to really expedite our plans um, around that brand rollout to make sure that we were very present and identifiable and accessible to all of those small businesses that needed information on the schemes and guidance and support around them. So the timings of the rollout were already pre-planned to start to happen in 2020, but then they were dramatically altered in terms of the timeframes that we wanted to get um, information out, how we wanted to appear, making sure that we were well understood. I mean, at one point in early April, I think our corporate website had a 4,000 percent increase in traffic with people looking to find out information um, around um, the coronavirus business interruption loan scheme. So that's massive, right? So suddenly all we were in the spotlight and what we wanted to make sure is that if SMEs are going to start coming to us organically because they are at a time of need and we need to be able to respond to that, that we kind of pulled everything forward to make sure that we were going out with campaigns, uh, with messaging um, and with uh, information that was absolutely what they needed, uh, what small businesses needed at that time, what they still need now uh, in order to get them through what, what they were experiencing. So I think the second part of your question was, did you follow a plan that would already pre pre pandemic so we had a plan the plan was altered i think that's that's the uh, the summation we had to very quickly react to this unprecedented situation and consider in a really short time frame how we could engage with our customers and key audience how we can make ourselves um present accessible uh navigable so that we could be very responsive and we had to really just act with agility across all of our campaigns and all across our kind of manifestations of our brand that's so refreshing to hear douglas was your experience similar? Yes, yes. I think one of the things that um, I picked up on from what Rebecca was saying there was agility. So around March, and it sounds like just the same time, we went into lockdown. And we were at this stage of saying, right, well, we're going to sort of uh, go ahead and launch this new brand. Uh, I was really worried, actually, at the time that people would say, well, maybe now's not the right time to do it. You know, uh, why are you planning this marketing department at, at IDOX? Um, but we steamed ahead with confidence. We'd spoken to our customers. We'd got quite clear feedback um, on where we were doing well, where we could do better and so forth. Um, we defined the proposition with the agency who had actually undertaken the research with us and uh, kept as objective. Um, so we wrote a very clear proposition, very clear strategic narrative. And I think having the COVID challenge really made us think about what we stood for in the world today and sharpened the senses, if you like. Um, so we had a very clear proposition that we developed, which is software built in insight, so you can do more. And it doesn't really matter whether you're 
operating in the property sector, in the local government sector, the international oil and gas industry. What we're delivering is software built to real, real understanding of your business processes that deliver better performance. So that's what we're always sort of working to. Uh, but we had tremendous um, uh, support from our agencies. Um, I was worried at the time that when you lose that lack of an ability to meet, um, that in some way or another creativity would be stifled. Um, and maybe at times, you know, it would be better to meet, but everybody really stepped up to the bar. It was a tremendous te uh, team spirit. Um, and uh, there was some really good collaborative working right across the uh, team. And in many ways, actually, being able to work virtually actually sped things up. Uh, so we were able to launch at a, a good pace, really. Um, I love the the, the, the idea of, it, of, the, of, sort of COVID sharpening your senses, the idea that you, you had to be attuned to your customers before, but actually now it's even, even more important that, 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 it, that it resonates. Um, Rebecca, I'm guessing that sounds familiar to you too, because a, you know, a, brand, a brand refresh, a brand work is a, is a big, expensive, time-consuming process. And, and, and I guess the real question is, you know, is that worth it? Does, how do you know that the work that you've done is going to really benefit UK businesses right now? How does, it, how does it really offer value and how does it help you achieve your strategic objectives? Um, it's a really, it's a really good point, and and I kind of agree with everything that um, that Douglas was just saying around how the sort of strategy and the approach that you put into place is suddenly brought into very, very sharp, sharp focus. So um, again, a concurring around, it's not just about how you how you look in terms of a new label, uh, a new logo. Um, it's what what's substantiated behind that. What do you stand for? What's your calling card to the market? What's your proposition and positioning? Um, and COVID-19 suddenly made ours, um, it, well, what did it do? I suppose, I suppose it lit a fire under it in a way that none of us could have ever predicted um, would have happened because it was so important that we were, um, that we were able to reassure the market, to reassure the small business markets, both in terms of our finance partners, the delivery partners we're working with who are going to be delivering these products um, with our facilitation, uh, but also ultimately the small business, the customer who was facing the same way that we all were, this huge challenge and so unpredictable. It's not like anything we'd ever experienced before. And we needed to be able to reassure them that there are organizations like ours who absolutely understand what needs to be done and are well-positioned in order to get the finance needed for small businesses who need to try and kind of keep a steady ship or keep some cash flow going or kind of review their financial management as a direct result of the pandemic. You know, we have to be able to collaborate to communicate, to market our proposition to uh, to small businesses at this moment in time, at this moment in time where there is that absolute critical need. And all of the insight that we gathered and all of our expertise on both small business finance and on small businesses and how small businesses operate meant that we were able to do that both with um, agility, but with kind of laser focused agility. So it wasn't just, it wasn't a scramble. It was just a real um, supercharge, if you like. So what have you supercharged towards? Tell me a little bit more about your new brand and how you hope it'll manifest itself over the coming months. So, I mean, the, for us, we want to... 
for me personally, it means an awful lot because I've been so invested in in working through it. But essentially, we want to be able to support small businesses to find a way, and we want to be the kind of the the lighthouse, if you like, the the symbol of light that can support small businesses navigating through. Anyway, it's difficult to grow a small business, irrespective of COVID, irrespective of what we're dealing with right now. It's challenging to take a business from an idea through to a scalable product or service um, that then is a, a kind of you know making its contribution uh, to UK, UK PLC but through its prosperity through its growth is a challenging tricky business of which external finance plays plays a part but it's not the only part there's lots of other challenges along the way but now so even more we want to be seen as this kind of trusted impartial expert organization that is absolutely invested and connected into um, the challenges that small businesses are experiencing and being able to provide where we can impart a solution to that challenge so it's both through the business the loan schemes that we're providing which we provide indirectly but also through the support and information services that go alongside that so that you can come to us as an organization and understand and very clearly work your way through what's the salient information that I need right now and it's and it's a noisy cluttered uncertain marketplace and we want to make sure that our voice is communicated clearly and in the most helpful way. So you're cl- you're clearly very invested in this personally as well as you know in terms of the of, of the bank I can hear the kind of the passion with which you talk about this um Douglas does that resonate for you do you need to be really invested personally in order to get the best out of this sort of branding process I know you've you've come up with something that's kind of quite clear solid if you like very functional in terms of your brand look and feel mm. how did you know that was the right thing to do and how, how do you feel about that now yes I do believe you need to be invested personally, actually. I think it's really important. Um, you've really got to believe in what you're doing. You've got to have a passion for the business you work with. Our brand story, our proposition, if you like, is that we deliver software built in inside so you can do more. Um, how do we know it's right? Well, the first thing to say is that we actually did a lot of research to arrive at this this uh, direction. Uh, we talked to all our customers and many of our prospects across every single market segment we operate in, um, in the UK and globally. Um, and you know, the, the feedback was quite clear about what our strengths and weaknesses were, what our opportunities were, what challenges we had to overcome as well. So we had to position ourselves as, as uh, as being a more valuable company, I don't think our full value was appreciated. Um, so this narrative that we have tells a story. Um, secondly, our senior management really bought into it. That gives a lot of confidence. This isn't just something that's invented by our agency, our marketing department, right across the business. Uh, the whole executive management team bought into this and supported it. Thirdly, um, we've had incredible buy-in from our staff, um, all our staff worldwide. Uh, there's over 600 of them um, really have got behind this theme and they've all said, yes, I see what we do now. Uh, and that gives me, uh, they're able to articulate it and started articulating it very clearly to our customers. And that gives me tremendous confidence that we're on the right path. Okay, so... I wanted to find out a little more, dig a bit deeper. When Rebecca and Douglas reflected on what had happened in 2020, 
What did they learn? And in hindsight, would they have done anything differently? I think this was absolutely the right time to relaunch our brand, regardless of the pandemic or not. Um, the strategic situation would not have changed because of the pandemic. Uh, we, we needed to address it. The pandemic will pass and we'll come out of it stronger, I'm certain. So delaying would have done us no, no good. It's far better to push on and get ahead. And what have we learned? Um, you know, I think within a software company, in fact, within any company, you start a, a rebranding process and it is quite a complex thing to do. And the one thing I've learned actually is that um, there are many different user interfaces that we have that I didn't realize existed. Uh, many different websites that we have, domains, applications, and so forth. And whilst I thought when we started the rebranding process, we pretty much had everything covered in our project plan, I've learned there's a lot more underneath the surface. So uh, that's been a big learning lesson. Secondly, I think actually having a young, a very energetic and a very good team, um, a young team that's never been through a, a major rebranding process is... Uh, you, you probably need to sort of allow more time to bring them along with you and uh, reassure them and teach them along the way. Having said that, I think our team has been brilliant. But those were my two big learners. But sort of know what's going on underneath the surface and make more time for your team. Does that sound about right, Rebecca? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely. There is. It's always a good time to be thinking about your brand. You know, you want to be there for your customers. That you want them to know who you are and, and what your message is to them. Um, and any decent brand or marketing strategy is always going to be very, very insight-led, um, and where you can be very clear on the problem or the need state that you're looking to solve for or, or deliver against. Because actually, you can, you know, strategize to the nth degree about what a compelling story you think you have to tell. But if you don't understand your audience or what they want to hear from you or the environment or the landscape that they're operating in, which will which will directly impact how that message lands, then you won't, no matter how clever you think you're being or how visually stimulating you think your VI is or whatever it might be, um, I just don't think you'll fully engage with your, uh, land that properly with the audience in the, in the way that you hope. Um, what I would say is that from a timings perspective, um, I'm so pleased that we were in a position to be able to go to market at that critical, critical moment to be present uh, and to be present in the way that we feel is really optimal. And that's, um, that's in part why we've done it so that we can be very accessible uh, to the small businesses at the time when they most need it. So I think that we will be able to continue to build on our learnings, build on our insights, but of course, be able to continue to respond to whatever this uh, pandemic continues to throw at us and therefore the kind of support uh, that SMEs are going to be needing, that small businesses are going to require in order to, to navigate these times. So I would say that our timing was ended up being um, essential rather than just a nice to have. Is there anything, anything else, any hints, any tips, any reflections, any funny stories or things that, you know, would be interesting for somebody to listen to that are your reflections on going through this, this process this year? Gosh, well, I can't think of any, um, funny stories. And most of the funny stories that have, would have been experienced by, um, everybody else who'd been working remotely and the nest to do with the brand refresh and more just to do with with working from home where I, I delivered a presentation to um, one of the con consultants we were working with. There were like 160 people over a, a Zoom call or whatever it was. And um, 
in the feedback I got afterwards, um, all the questions were around, um, what was your husband putting in his sandwich? And we thought he was out of view because he was sort of standing, he thought to the right of me behind in the kitchen, thought you couldn't see him. But everyone was like very intrigued. Oh, he looked like he was making quite a fancy sta- sandwich. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that, that's your key takeaway. Um, but actually my key tip would really be around um, like le- le- leveraging the power of human kind of commitment and what's been really amazing and a phenomenal thing to have been a part of um, is really how colleagues and our um, the agencies we work with and other suppliers have really rallied together um, and really felt invested in delivering uh, for for our country, for our small businesses uh, to, to provide whatever support we could. Um, and it's actually been very inspiring to, to find that people are really willing to go that extra mile for you. Now, you can't necessarily get that um, in the absence of a global pandemic, uh, but I'd like to think that if you, if you kind of manage teams well and can kind of motivate people, people, then that really is going to give you some really um, excellent results. And it also makes working like a really much more pleasurable as, you know, you're part of this kind of great team spirit delivering against a common goal and a common purpose. And that's absolutely all what we're about at the British Business Bank. And actually, that's ended up being kind of the the, the key lesson learned. How do you try and channel a lot of that when if, if, the, if you're not in a time of crisis like we were, but t- try and like learn from those lessons and draw them out as you kind of move into a state of more kind of status quo or business as usual. So um, the same question to you that I asked Rebecca really in terms of what hints and tips might you have for anybody else? What are your reflections? Um, You know, start off with a good, clear and simple plan, but be prepared to change and be prepared that some things are going to come along and, you know, blow you off course. Um, Don't be too rigid, be agile. And, you know, I think it was Mike Tyson, I'm sure it was Mike Tyson, who said that uh, everybody's got a strategy for a boxing match before they get punched in, in the nose. And uh, that's what can happen. <laughs> you need to start off, be very clear about where you're going, but you will learn things along the way. And you'll learn things about your business and the way it operates. And that might be around customer services or different products you didn't understand or pricing implications or whatever. So be prepared to be flexible, but always keep in mind what you're trying to achieve. And that's simplifying it for the customer, differentiating, standing out from the crowd. Finishing off with some real practical advice. I wanted to know whether it was important to let everybody know the full detail of what's involved in the branding process from the start or whether perhaps it might be better to eke it out little by little so that people weren't scared off by the enormity of the task. The one thing I found useful is in taking an organisation through rebranding, a rebranding process, there's a balance to be found between managing the project really well and telling everybody the truth about what needs to happen because um, um, and I was really worried if I'd pointed out exactly what needed to happen in day one and I mean changing on the screens and our software user interfaces um, changing on the customer service modules um, closing down certain company names and uh, um, um, uh, having new ones, change, looking at uh, trademarking in the United States and all over the world, that type of thing. Um, 
they probably have got scared off and gone, goodness me, this is just too much to handle, isn't it, really? Um, so I kept it very top line. And then as we get into things, these things started to emerge. And I've got to be honest, because some of them took me by surprise as well. Um, <laughs> but so you sort of have to say, right, this is where we're going. Show us some real leadership and vision. And then bring some of the other things up and cross some of the hurdles as you go through the, that, you know, down the line. Because it's a really, really big task that looks easy. You always hear these stories, you know, of BP rebranding, BT, and they spent millions of pounds, and all they did was get a new logo. That's just not the case at all. So, yeah, exactly. uh, so, uh, so what was the biggest surprise that you had along the way then? The biggest surprise along the way? Uh, I think it was actually the number of different, being a software company, bearing this in mind, is a number of different domains that we own in the world. Okay. And the number of different applications we have, Android, iPhone, whatever, um, for all the different software modules and releases that we have is massive. And all these things were underneath the surface and they've built up over many, many years. Um, but nobody, I don't think, had a single view of all that was going on. So when you get into branding, rethinking how you're positioning the company and pulling everything together, you have to look at these things. And what you think, you know, is just the tip of the iceberg mm. beneath them. There's this monster <laughs> that we need to sort out. So you need the single view of the monster, but you don't need to let anybody else know that the monster's there. That's your secret. Well put, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Douglas, thank you. Have you got any final thoughts? I think the only other thing is, you know, look after the team along the way. Um, I've done a number of rebrands in my life and I'm sort of, I've been through it before, but for many of the younger people, the team are relatively new to it. It's all a new process. Um, and so taking them through it and making it fun and simplifying it, uh, to cut through things is all important. Um, because some people can get a bit lost. So, if the reflection is that a brand refresh sounds exciting, the reality is that it's complicated. Absolutely, because I think people run into big issues. You start off with good intentions, and then you find there are a number of hurdles along the way. And what you have to remember is what you're trying to achieve, what the original problem is. You know, in the case of ours, it's like we had too many different company names, brand names, different designs, all pulling in a different direction. And we were never achieving that big economy of scale being more than the sum of our uh, parts, if you like. And the, there are always people within the organisation who will say, well, you can't do this because of A, B, C and D. Um, and, you know, for a lot of the people who haven't been through the process before, that can be daunting. So you have to, you know, you have to keep focus, and you have to keep reminding of the fact it's possible. And sometimes, just as a leader, cutting through things and saying, "No, we are going to do this." So, you know, we're going to find a way around these problems quickly, and so you don't get bogged down. I think the one thing, Becky, that the COVID nineteen crisis has given us all is, if, if there's a gift in it, is that we have to work at pace. And whereas, you know, some time ago, 
Um, it seems a long time ago now. People would have meetings, people would travel, people would debate more. Today, we're actually working faster. And we've seen in our company, we're actually much more productive than we were before. All the data shows that we're just working faster and more fluidly and getting more done, which is ironic. Um, it's a good thing. It is a good thing. And I think it actually helps get through branding because you're just moving quicker. You're not having such long meetings. You're not having lots of people in the room. You're not carrying around boards. Things aren't debated so much. Uh, so you can use that to your advantage. So no more boards, no more big presentations. Just working smarter, more collaboratively. Douglas, did you have anything else you want to ask Rebecca before she jumps off? I've really enjoyed the experience of recording with you. Yes, it's been lovely talking to you, both of you. That's it for this episode of the Noble Marketing Idea Cast. A huge thank you so much to my guests, to Rebecca Simon and to Douglas Quigg for giving us a small window into two very different businesses. Next time, we'll be talking to Epicor's VP of Performance Marketing, Sean Mache, about how to get really good work out of your agency and ruminating on what good work actually looks like. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Noble Marketing Idea Cast. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show wherever you're listening right now. A new show will pop up in your feed every few weeks. The Noble Marketing Ideacast is brought to you by BHMP. We're creative venture marketeers, helping clients with purpose transform their business results and not their Instaglow. Find out more about what we do and how we can help you. Visit our website at bhmp.com or follow us on LinkedIn. Links are in the podcast description. Our producer is the talented Chris Attaway. Till next time, I'm Becky Holland. Thank you so much for listening.